adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Intorno a mezzanotte si è creata una nuova lega sì, e si chiama proprio Super League. Ci partecipano Inter e Milan e anche la Juventus sì, e si chiama proprio Super League. Super League, Super League, Super League. Super League voglio anche la Roma in Super League ti danno 3 miliardi e mezzo Welcome to Rated This Way a culture podcast that brings you the latest and greatest news from the world of Syria and European soccer my name is Michael D'Angelo and with us as always we have Paul Lino Bologna Mangoni Super League, Super League <laughs> e si chiama proprio Super League e tu devi ecco Mr. Chris Baselli. Hello, everybody. And, of course, we have Julian Giju D'Angelo. How's everybody doing tonight? Better now that we're listening to Super League. This the only nation. Voglio anche la Roma in Super League. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, no. There, uh, how about this? Let's get into it. We, we have a lot, uh, a lot on the plate here. Okay. Let, let's, talk, let's talk exactly about said Super League. The Super League? Well, okay, yeah. yeah. Let's maybe explain perhaps why we opened with it. I mean, other than it's an all-time banger. <laughs> um. <laughs> We, of course, have had uh, new developments uh, come up this week. So uh, who, who wants to just, I guess, uh, briefly summarize kind of what's happened with it? Julian or Paulo? Or... Here, I'll, I'll take the Super League press conference. So okay. Agnelli had a, a press conference, I think it was middle of last week, uh, talking about the, the new changes that they made uh, and that 11 of the 12 original teams uh, – are still uh, signatories uh, to the Super League, uh, which was interesting because it was only 12, and I believe that Inter is officially out. Uh, I think, obviously, I think I think it's a good move in, in trying to save face. Um, it's another PR disaster, in my opinion, uh, on behalf of the Super League uh, Corporation. Uh, I think the La Liga chief summed it up perfectly. Uh, they originally tried to announce it in the middle of a pandemic, and they tried to announce uh, version 2.0 in the middle of a European conflict. So, um, <laughs> again, I don't know who their PR company is, but uh, probably the same one that uh, that was hired uh, locally where we are uh, uh, last month. So. <laughs> You know, uh, it's it's in, it's just it's interesting to see the, I guess, I guess incompetence is the best word best word to use, and and you know, may, there's some people who who are, of course are for it, 
because they may have a bias against the traditional uh, power structure in European football. But it, to me, it's it's doomed to fail because I think UEFA holds all the cards in, in the sense that they can ban, as they already threaten, those players, those, excuse me, those clubs to play in their national leagues because the National Federation can also can be in agreements with uh, with UEFA and the fact that those teams can be excluded. So it, it's it's their decision, uh, of course. I think Angelius Rupsi stated that uh, they want to stay within the national national structure, but how yeah. the way you can balance you can't really balance those two. It's either you do a, a so called super league, or you stay within power structure that is uh, you qualify for a European uh, competition through your National League. Michael? Yeah, and I think uh, I had read somewhere or someone had mentioned it that uh, the plan is that they're still, they, again, I'm not sure why they've announced it again, just to say that it's not dead perhaps, but uh, they said that they're well, going to wait for they announced it again is to say that it's not a locked competition right just a change that that was the, pretty much the only major change that they made Other but again what, what they're doing though is yeah. they're going to wait for uh what is it the madrid court or something like that to yeah exactly yeah yeah so what, what does that explain that so i think it's uh the fact that and I sorry, no, you've been just uh, UEFA uh, <laughs> challenged uh, the actual project in the Marine, uh, Madrid court. Uh, so they're, I think they're that was based off the uh, the punishments that UEFA leveled out when right. they originally announced it. Yeah, so they're waiting for that to drop effectively, and then they'll go from there. I guess is the idea. Yeah, because they appealed the Super League Corp appealed it. Uh, the Marine, the Madrid court agreed with them. Yeah. And I think UEFA uh, filed an appeal. Right. Okay. So I thought I read, though, somewhere that this 2.0 version wasn't necessarily going to be the same clubs every year. They still wanted you to have to qualify. Is that? Yeah. yeah. That no, correctly? There was no longer going to be um, effectively like the, what was it, the UN, where there's like, yeah, uh, permanent members. There's no longer permanent members. You can still drop out. I think is the idea. But you, yeah. So I, I understood that part. But could you, like, could if Sassuolo won the Scudetto next year, could they qualify for it? Is it open in that sense, or is it still just the select few? But you can drop right. out when you want. Right. I, I, I think that they don't even know because I feel like obviously that <laughs> that's really. Uh, the route to Champions League, obviously, at this point. Yeah. So that those links are are clear and evident. I feel like it's got to be something to do with again some. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it may be some sort of historical coefficient that determines whether or not you're invited to play in the Super League if someone drops out or whatever. Who knows, right? But yeah, because I, I I mean I get what Paulo's saying, and but and not that I'm you know openly supporting it right now, but I think one step to getting you know your your neutral person right now so somebody who's you know on the fence mm -hmm. is is making it an open system sort of like champions league right now where you have to qualify for it so that nobody is guaranteed to go in year after year because i think we can all agree that the main idea behind this is to is for the clubs to take home more of the money versus having uefa 
take home the mm-hmm. majority of the money. Um, right. So if it's open and teams can qualify, then then I'll be in. I mean, we, all our three clubs were all a part of it initially, and I think we were all against it, even though it would have been you had permanent a permanent seat at the at the at the table. So I think it being an open system is is going to be important for them to get support from the greater footballing community, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, and Paul, you said it's prudent of Inter to have dropped out. Why? Uh, I, I think, honestly, that I think Inter realized that it's probably not going to work. Uh, I, I think that they don't want to. They already faced punishment with the FFP rules, uh, the FFP punishment they had a couple of years ago, Julian can attest to that as a fan. Um, and I think that they know how debilitating certain sanctions could be. So I, I think they're just trying to avoid being in a position, especially in their financial state, you know, regardless of you know what the reports are and that they can buy certain players, but they are in a weakened financial state and any sanctions that they may receive, I think will cripple them even further. Right. Uh, but just before we move on, Michael, I just want to point out uh, to anyone this or followed that, uh, this press conference last week, what I found interesting wasn't the actual announcement, but the, the, the battle of quotes or battle of comments that ensued from from the from the press conferences. I brought up the La Liga chief, mm-hmm. and he I think he called Agnelli uh, a kid, and he, he essentially likened him to Putin. Uh, uh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, if you look it up, read the room, like, buddy. Well, but, but yeah. that's the whole point. I think yeah. he likened it to the fact that uh, it was announced during again a European conflict. And and he and he likened him Agnelli to Putin in a sense that a so-called liar, you know, it depends again. They which, lie more than Putin. That's it. There you go. That's the quote. And I think uh, Agnelli responded to that uh, during his press conference. I think he called him the Spaniard. I think he mentioned him by name. Um, so that, that what I found was was interesting. Not the actual announcement because I think it's uh, a dead in the water. People may disagree with me, but. Uh, I I thought the the battle of uh, the war of words was the most interesting part of of uh, this whole Super League 2.0. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier, I guess the timing of the announcement. Um, is is it possibly by design that again the first one was kind of snuck through and you know well I guess not snuck through but it happened during the onset of a pandemic and then now it's with uh, impending <laughs> doom on the European war front. But is that, again, is that perhaps by design? Do we think that um, he's, you know, they were hoping that it would be just like a, some sort of, I guess, Putin-esque, Putin, Putin-esque? No, Putin-esque, <laughs> um, you know, saber-rattling kind of move to be like, hey, like, we can still create the Super League if you don't concede, uh, you know, things that we need in, in our but, own. Uh... But concede, I mean, Chris brought it up, I guess the clubs want more money, but like, uh, they don't. Re- it's hard to explain, but it, what I'm trying to rationalize is what else do they want? Do they want the fact that uh, not FIFA, but UEFA, well, maybe probably also FIFA, not to exist, and that that, that it's like the <laughs> uh, prisoners running the asylum. I mean, yeah. What? Where? What's? What's the conflict? There's a massive conflict of interest where 
clubs are running their own competition. Oh. And there's not there's not like a kind of a sort of a neutral so yes, party. Yes, I, I can understand that and I agree to that. But at the same time, if that third party is uh, like literally like siphoning money, siphoning money, then that literally negates their whole purpose. So I, I can. Yeah, go ahead, Julie. I was going to say, I'm glad you actually brought that up because I think something does need to be done with like financials and soccer, whether that's some sort of cap on teams or they need to figure something out because the Premier League realistically is turning into a Super League. Um, now, whether you agree that Agnelli and Perez, whether the Super League is the idea to go, that I don't know, but I find it hilarious. There are so many Inter fans I saw on Inter Twitter who were like so pissed off. The suiting out stuff all started when they said they were out of the Super League. But why do you trust Agnelli? It's fucking Andre Agnelli. How can you look at him and trust him as an Inter fan? <laughs> no, he's right though. I, I same as as a Milan fan. I, I I wouldn't trust him with anything. Yeah, and he's gonna <laughs> so, be the main guy. Like, yeah. no, that's way too way too close to comfort, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, I, I'm just my. It's like asking you if Massimo Moratti was in charge. Would you trust Moratti with what? Yeah, no, I, 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 I get probably, it. I probably, I'd probably not. get the two keys that would uh, initiate the nuclear holocaust here. I guess, or uh, <laughs> what's the what's the proper term there, Paulo? Uh, mutual assured destruction. There. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I'm just that was obviously a very extreme yeah. uh, no, reaction, no, but you know what I mean. Like, I just feel like the idea that uh, Agnelli wouldn't you know would <laughs> sewer enter no i'm not saying he's like specifically looking out to sewer enter but i think he's doing it somehow even perez is the same in spain where like juve and madrid would end up getting like a far share more than the other team somehow some sort of clause in it <laughs> well i mean that that i can see that 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 i buy um and also Probably based on, uh, I think Michael brought it up earlier, historical coefficient that, you know, those two clubs have won the most trophies in the teams that are part of this Super League Corporation. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a ranked uh, system of, uh, you know, the Real Madrid gets most money, Juventus is second. And then the rest are based off of their league position in the so-called Super League. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I can totally understand Julian's point of view. <laughs> Again, as, as you brought it up, I'll probably do the same thing with Marathi. And, uh, you know, it could be also the same type of conversation that uh, they're having for the, the Lega Serie A uh, election for their new uh, president. You know, uh, most of the ones that that were were proposed are Inter fans, and we all know how that worked out when there was an Inter fan ahead of a federation, uh, and and how that worked out for a certain club uh, fifteen <laughs> years ago. So uh, I can see, I can de- I definitely see the trepidation from uh, from certain fa- sets of fans. Yeah. Again, I I, I also I, I can I concur. I, I'm in concurrence. You're in concurrence. That's the one. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in concurrence. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, any last thoughts, guys, on uh, Super League? Uh, I was just <laughs> I was just going to ask if we can hear another uh, fifteen seconds or so of Violi okay. Nation's finest. Well, well, Michael looks that up. I I, I give it forty percent that it succeeds. Are you betting on that? No, I'm not not as confident as, but it, but I'm just saying it. I say 60, 40, 40 that it doesn't succeed, uh, that it succeeds. That it crashes 60, and burns. But yeah, wait, 60% that it that succeeds it and then 60% that it, succeeds. that it crashes and burns. Exactly, yeah. Because I, I think. I, there you go. What? Well, no, I was about to say, I, I, think, I think the system's weighed, weighed, is weighted against them. That's why. Yeah. But again, I think that's the, the impetus for change, right? Yeah, but the impetus of change is to actually force change within the current power structure. Right. When, when you try look to inward. go out, exactly, look inward instead of you try to go outward. That that's the the current power structure is built to suppress any any uh, quote unquote rebellion. Now, would Roma be a nice addition to Super League now that Inter's out? No, uh, it's possible, but I, I don't think I, I think the American owners are smarter than that to 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 open themselves up to any any liability issues. Um, so, and also another reason why we brought up this song as well is because this song, that exact song, the Super League song, was actually played on. Uh, the Italian uh, so Rise flagship Sunday night highlight uh, package highlight show. package show, Domenica, uh, Domenica Sportiva, and uh, to the joy of all of the Oli Nations fans. <laughs> <laughs> so it, 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 honestly, it's it's a banger though. I get it. It, it is a banger. Yeah, it, it, it um, and, and they use it in a in a video to kind of uh, as a, they they call it. A sigla, which is a theme song of uh, <laughs> of, uh, Super, of League. Super League. Yeah, exactly. Right. So. Uh, okay, guys. Yeah. Any other uh, any other thoughts beyond that? Not for me. Yeah. No. I think we covered everything. Okay. Good. Well, let's hope that uh, that it fails. Well, let's hope that soccer. Um, wins at the end of the day yeah. so whatever happens it's for the benefit of the game let's let's just leave it at that uh okay let's move on now that we're i guess talking about a european style competition why don't we just chat quickly about um what we expect to see this week uh with the european competition so the, the ones that are actually a thing uh, so, uh, are we talking about the changes in format or the current edition? Yeah, let's uh, let's first discuss, I guess, the the changes in format, and then and then from there, we'll we'll just quickly kind of preview everything that's that's coming up. Okay, um, I'll I'll read out the changes. Yeah. So the uh, which was the new the new format from the 2024-2025 season, which is confirmed by UEFA uh, last week. Uh, so there will be 36 total teams uh, in the tournament. Uh, 
there will be one big league table to replace the group stages or group stage. Uh, each team plays 10 games in the first phase, so five home, five and away. They're adding 100 additional games. The top eight sides of this league will qualif- qualify automatically for the knockout stage. And then the teams finishing ninth between 9th and 24th will compete in a two-legged playoff system to secure their path to the final 16. I mean, we'll call it what it is. They're they're looking to, I mean, as you said, Paul, there's a hundred additional games. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, they're they're looking to get obviously more games on TV, which obviously leads to more money for uh, UEFA. Um, uh, I'll leave your point, Julian, because uh, I know we were talking about it offline there, just with regards to the number of games. But I just. I, I don't understand how the table would work in the sense that I get that everybody gets to play 10 games, five home, five away, and then they're kind of seated that way. I just don't know how there's any balance to that, right? Because with the current setup, you're in a group of four. Everybody plays the other three teams in their division twice. So everybody in your division has the same schedule that you had, right? So it's kind of easy to find balance that way. With a table this way, I don't know how you can consider it balanced. And again, just for example, you know, if, if, if Inter's in there and they're playing against, you know, Man City and Dortmund, uh, and then, you know, if Napoli's in there, but Napoli got uh, Man U and Leverkusen uh, as, you know, an English and German representative. So it's just, it's not balanced. So that part of it for me would need to be addressed or, or changed. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to, to add on to that. Yeah, I think those are very good points. They'll have to figure out some sort of parity amongst the teams. Yeah. Uh, some sort of ranking system. My issue with it is I think there's too many games already being played. Um, players are now playing, what, upwards of 60 games a year? So yeah. you're going to add another minimum, what was it, two or four per team? And then you're adding another playoff leg as well in there. So it's just another money grab from UEFA, which isn't really all that surprising. Yeah, you're adding a minimum of four because it's from six to ten. And then if you finish in that nine to 24 range, so if you're 25 to 36, I guess you're out. Um, But then nine to 24 play in another two games. So it's a potential of six extra games, I guess, uh, per team. From yeah, before, which is just, I mean, the beginning of the schedule is already usually Packed. jam-packed as it is with the international breaks. and I mean, they've obviously added more international breaks with the Nations League and all that fun stuff. So mm-hmm. they're just trying to get as much money as they can, obviously. Now, do you think this uh, is a... Or, yeah, do you think this would be like the beginning of maybe they're, them changing other uh, aspects of international soccer in terms of, you know, maybe they cut back on one nation's league has become, or, you know what I mean? Like, does this, does adding more of these games make the world friendlies or world, um, I guess, competitions, like, does it negatively affect that? Do you think it has any effect on that? I don't think so. I I think this is, they're trying to, just pack um, the schedule. Exactly. They're trying to normalize 
more games. I think what's going to happen is that this might be challenged by the players' union. I think it's called FIFA right. Pro, uh, in the sense that they're they're playing too many games and uh, they're they're all so limiting. As we talked about a few weeks ago, they're also limiting the number of loans Trans- that team yeah, loans trans- exactly. So now teams to use more youth players. They're going to have to find ways to expand their squad list so they can cope with playing, as you said, Michael, at a minimum or an extra six games. Yeah, and I was I was going to bring that up next. So, again, do you think that that rule being into effect, like how do, how do you think that's going to affect everything as well, right? Because if they're playing more games now, I mean, it is only a number of teams, right? It's a five from Italy or whatever it is, right? It's four, four from Italy. And I guess, I don't know where they'd be adding the four extra teams from, but in any case, again, there's, there's going to be repercussions because of this thing already, right? The, mm. the transfer and loan, um, I guess, what's, what, what would be the word for it? Quota that you, that they yeah. need to meet. Yep. I mean, it's possible that they, they could add an extra team from the top four league. Uh, leagues in the coefficient. That's my. Right. That's, that's just a theory. Yeah. Um, which would make sense, based on those are the clubs that fans want to see more teams. Or sorry, the, those are the leagues that fans want to see more clubs uh, from those leagues in play in these European competitions. Mm-hmm. So it could also be as a way to draw more, uh, more viewership as. I think one of them complained. Going back to the Super League, saying that fans don't pay attention to ninety-minute games or something stupid like that, uh, which is <laughs> I don't I don't think it's true. If a fan's invested, yeah, well, maybe they have other things going around that day. But a, a, a true fan who blocks out ninety minutes to watch this game or two hours will sit and watch through the whole game, especially if if it's a game like Napoli Milan, which we'll get into later on. My next question, based on this number of games and the discussion, I guess, that we've come into, what is the harm of changing the 90 minutes rule if it could mean, again, that you could play more games because, you know, your players aren't playing. Let's say you you even drop it from 90 to 80, so they're 40 minutes half, 40 minute halves, right? Does that make a significant difference for you to, you know, complain? And what what would the repercussions, do you think, be on, like, again, the injury front? Do you think that might help? I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the, uh, the fan point of view. I think Chris will talk about more of, of the, you know, technical part of it. As a fan, I want to see longer. I want to see more action. Uh, you know, I'll, just, I'm probably, just to I'm be used, devil's advocate yeah. for you, if there's less time, it's more compact and more it, – it has the potential to every minute counts even more, right? So instead of having a lull of uh, 20 minutes in each half, you know, okay, that, that, that's, that's cut dramatically because okay. of uh, I can play devil's, devil's advocate. Sure, but I can play devil's advocate on that and saying okay. that teams could also change that the way that they play in the sense that they lock down the game for 70 minutes instead of 90 which uh, maybe if the game was 90 minutes, the team that is playing in a more negative, we'll call it negative uh, for the sake of argument, in a more negative fashion and playing more defensively 
that team that's playing defensively gets tired and concedes goals in late. the 90th minute in a late late game. Mm-hmm. Teams that play that type of style usually survive 70 minutes. Right. Okay. Chris, Chris what were you going to say? Yeah, so uh, you suggested, Mike, you know, if it went from 90 to 80, I, I think for there to be a significant difference with regards to, you know, reducing the workload, reducing injuries, and to justify adding more games, you almost have to drop it to 60 minutes, maybe 70 minutes. And it's, you know, similar. I, I do like Paulo's point there um, about how, you know, the quote-unquote weaker teams or smaller teams are usually able to stay in a game for 70 to 75 minutes. Right. But, uh, yeah, just taking that 10 minutes off, I, I feel like I, I don't have – you know, any science or data to back it up, but I feel like that 10 minutes isn't enough, you know, for a manager, for, you know, somebody who's the head of a sports science department to say that, yes, you know, the players are now able to go and play, you know, an extra four or five games a month, whatever it works out to be. So, yeah, I think you'd have to reduce it to 60 minutes. And then at that point, I think that's way too significant of a change to how the game has been played. I'm, I'm open to changes, of course, but I think that that would be too much of a change. What if I told you that AFCON already tried to do it? <laughs> they need to fix a couple of things before they fix uh, whatever it is we're talking about. Uh, Listen, the ref yeah. just wanted to get it home early. That's, that's, that's it. That yeah, yeah, yeah. He got that, that tweet. Oh, I can't. I'm uh, Come over. I can't. I'm repping a game. Yeah. What was that one again? He blew it at 87 minutes and then brought them 85. back and then called he it at, 90, it at like, 92 or something yeah did he blow no it not even i think minutes? it was like 80 then 88 oh, they didn't yeah, play yeah. the full 90 twice <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah so yeah 80 minutes uh i mean it would help of course but i don't think it's enough to justify the the extra games that uefa wants these players to to take part in right and and chris brought it up the the fact that they've been playing 90 minutes since the conception of the modern game in the late 1800s, like in the late 1880s, I, I think it would be just too much of a radical change for people watching the game for so long to accept. I hear you, but again, 45 minutes in itself is just some arbitrary number. So what does it matter if there's five minutes less per half? You know, like it, that, that a 10 minute difference is nothing. I would argue again, like to Chris's point, like shaving off a half hour, that's a third of the game. That, that would be like, that would be very significant. Um, but I don't know. I'm curious to see if like, again, let's say what's the, how many average uh, on average, how many games are played in a month by a team in two competitions, I guess, let's say. I mean, if you assume one per weekend, there's four, and then, you know, assume, you know, a cup match of some sort every other week, whether it's Champions League or your right. your, your Copa Italia. So I would say on average, six. I know, six. I know around Christmas it gets heavy if you're an English yeah. club, but I think in general, six for a Champions League, Europa League level club is, is well, fair. Let, let's say, yeah, let's say six to eight, just in the chance that there's again two again you're playing both legs of whatever just six to eight so that's another that's 60 minutes less a month that you're playing that you and they're hard minutes too it's the you know they're i would argue that 
taking out, well, yeah, five minutes, I guess, each half. Again, it's, it's not too much, but it's, again, at least saving that time might be, I don't know. I, I just, you know, you know what I'm getting at here? I, I feel like it, it would, it, it, it has the potential to save a game's worth of legs a month. Yeah, is I, that, I see it is saying. that significant for 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 teams that play six games, mm-hmm. six to eight games a month. You know, okay. I see what you're saying. So if we, if we so we do that twelve months, you know, let's say twelve more. Well, not 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 twelve months, maybe ten. Ten months. That yeah, play? Uh, I say nine. nine. I think yeah, nine. nine's probably more accurate. So they save nine games. So you're pretty much. Take the, the the new format into consideration. You're pretty much at even again. Yes, there, again because that, they're adding yeah. because they're adding ten more games. You know, potentially six. It I guess really solve the problem, does it? <sighs> yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so it balances out. But the solu- but the solution, you yeah, get more money. So. But yeah, exactly. Super League would get more money because this is actually Super League's idea. Anyways, <laughs> we're far down the rabbit hole here. Well, no, but but not really. The, the solution here is have to. I think what we discussed a couple weeks ago is they need B teams. They need yeah. uh, a better uh, youth competitions in in terms of. We'll, we'll take Italy as an example. Uh, they need first of all B teams. Like I already mentioned that, but also stronger uh, investment in youth squads, which has been neglected since, oh, let's say 20 years. Since they Italy also, last, won, last won the, the U21 championship. Right, Julian. They also, yeah, I was going to say, they also need coaches who understand to play youth. And I'm going to yeah. use, obviously, Inter as an example because that's what I know. Um they have Agume and Cetriano right now out on loan at Brest, and they're both playing 90 minutes a game. I think Cetriano has three goals in three games or three goals in four games, but he was barely given a look with the first team. So, to me, those are issues that, like, I don't know what it stemmed from, but I find it's all always in Serie A where they'd rather play the 30-year-old career Serie A player over giving the youth a chance. Uh, that's that's a mentality issue. That's always been like that in Italy, where where it, they take they prioritize game management over yeah that's, over I, I agree with that talent and technique. Yeah, yeah, because you're right, Paul. Like again, you look at a, a manager like Allegri who plays ninety minutes, suffering, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas. You know, plays, young players. Yeah. Young players probably don't like to suffer, right? They they don't want to. They want to be able to score and and not, literally, not like have to worry for ninety minutes. That, that reminds me of that that my that video like that I like to post on Twitter. Uh, if you if anyone follows me, where where Allegri talks about how uh, a, a player has to go through the leagues, you know, like a pro, Serie B, and then that a a, a young player. Always likes to shoot, shoot on goal, but he has to do it in front of a goal. You know uh, that, that that famous video there. But um, but yeah, again, that's the mentality that the the those players, other than Gasparini, Allegri, the 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 managers who come from 
managed by previous uh, generation managers such as Trapattoni, uh, such as um, Marcia Lippi. Lippi was not known for playing young players. Um, also, Allegri was managed by Giovanni Galone, who also was a career uh, game management type of, uh, of of manager. The only the only manager that I can think of that was a bit different in that generation was then Xeman, who Chris knows uh, can play these f- fantastic five four games. Uh, so it, it's also how how they developed uh, from their playing days as well. Right. I think we're getting a bit off the beaten track here, but uh, I thought that was an important point to to kind of make the kind of tie everything together in the sense that um, Italy is a different beast than England, France, Germany, and perhaps Spain. Yeah, I don't know. What what, what were we? Where were we? What was happening before that tangent? <laughs> well, the the, uh, the, the, squad the new was... European. Format. The fact that that the in my opinion that the squad list is going to have to expand that managers are going to have to change how they play right. to, to to manage the fact that there's an extra ten games yeah. on top of what what's being played now. Uh, I, I guess we'll we'll talk about it uh, in, the, in the next in the next half. But uh, I read I read something that uh, after they played after Inter played Liverpool we'll. we'll uh, maybe we'll, this was a great segue into uh, the the preview of this week's games. But after Inter played the first leg against Liverpool, Inzaghi said that they already played 36 games so far this season. That's right. a, that's a pretty much a full Serie A season, right? So far, so yeah. So okay, well then why don't we why don't we get into that then? Let's start with uh, I guess in that conversation we'll start with our, our preview here. So, uh, again, we have three competitions this week uh, featuring Italian teams. So, we'll start with uh, Tuesday in Inter Milan, and they play Liverpool again, obviously. Uh, now, what's the, what's the situation, just to remind our listeners? So, the, sorry, the away goal rule no longer exists this year in Europe. Um, so, Inter lost first game 2-0. So, they need to win by two goals in order to force extra time or win by three goals. Uh, realistically, I don't see either happening. Um, I think yeah. you'll see you'll see a similar starting lineup, probably the same starting lineup, I think, of the first leg. Um, my only question mark is Perisic. I know he was had a slight knock against Lernitana, which is why he didn't play. Um, my opinion, I think if it's Zero zero at half. You switch Sanchez for Vidal, and you do a three four one two. Just kind of go for it. Um, if you're up a goal somehow, you continue three five two maybe till sixty six fifth minute. If you're down a goal by half, I think you just kind of rotate players in and accept defeat. Right. Uh, listen, if if Fincher can play the way they did uh, before they conceded those two goals, I think Inter was on the front foot until they. Till they conceded uh, the first goal, uh, and and with a little bit more luck, I think they can make a game of it. I don't think it's completely over as some Inter fans think, but uh, that that 
that span that they had where they put Liverpool on on their heels, um, you know, at least gives me some sort of confidence that they can make a game of it. Yeah, and I think, honestly, I think they will. I don't think they're going to just go out and kind of accept defeat. But the big thing will be is if, well, two things. One, they need to score. And two, they cannot allow Liverpool to score. So yeah. I think if they get a goal in the first half, by all means, I think it's game on. But I think if Liverpool scores in the first half, I think that'll be it. Yeah, and you mentioned, again, obviously scoring. Um, they, just to kind of get ahead of ourselves, they kind of broke their um, their goose egg duck. or whatever. Yeah, their duck. duck, yeah. Right? Um, this weekend. So, just on the prospects of going into this game, Julian, do you feel like, again, obviously you said they're not, kind of not out of it. Do you have any... Um, What's your Paulo rating here? You know, Paulo was 60-40 for, uh, <laughs> for failure for the Super League. What's your, uh, what's your percentage here? That they win, I'll go like, hold on, win in advance or win the game? So I guess it's the, no, it's actually the failure. Uh, if the failure is going to be higher, okay. then like Paulo's was 60% that they fail and 40% that they succeed. So what's your, yeah. Um, I'm going to go 80% chance that they fail to qualify. Okay. All right. Um, I also heard a stat earlier today that Liverpool haven't lost at Anfield in over a year. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, okay. Now, Paulo, who has a vested interest, uh, in, uh, an inter victory, uh, explain that. And then what do you, what's your failure score? Yeah, so uh, the reason why I have a vested interest is because, uh, you know, just for fun, um, I decided to make a parlay of uh, the teams that I think would qualify, also based on the odds at the time. Uh, and I chose Inter because, you know, also it was, you know, four to one odds that they would qualify. I said, well, might as well, might as well take a chance on that. But, but uh, they're not as... Again, that first leg to me proved that uh, luck was the difference. Uh, I I thought Liverpool got lucky to score, and even they admitted that they 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 admitted uh, after the post game that they were the, the the second best team, and and they profited on two inter mistakes. Uh, so, like I said before, Julian's right. I put in twenty percent because they're down by two goals, but if they make it to to extra time, anything can happen. Okay, so what's your failure score? Eighty uh, twenty, like like Julian. Yeah, exactly. Eighty twenty. It's gonna take, like I said, it's gonna take a miracle uh, to to score two goals against a, a Liverpool team that hasn't lost that iron full uh, in two years. Okay, Chris, what's your or, failure? Sorry, score? What, one year. Sorry. Um, if Liverpool scores the first goal, zero percent. <laughs> if if Inter That's scores fair. the first goal, I'll give them a forty percent chance. Ah, I think that okay. first that first goal is big, like it is in in most second legs where the score is fairly close. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think that first goal will kind of generate a lot of momentum one way or the other. And so, I have a I have a fluctuating percentage for this one. I uh, I'm gonna give it a Inter will make a game of it. Uh, they'll they'll get close. They'll possibly get a goal or maybe even two goals. 
and then um, the ref who uh, let me just confirm here before I uh, make the sweeping <laughs> statement here, but the ref will have actually he won't be English because uh, Liverpool's playing, but he'll have a, a garbage can for a heart, <laughs> <laughs> and there might be some uh, <laughs> uh, some last minute uh, magic from uh, from Liverpool to to go through. That's my prediction and a success uh success to failure of uh uh 100% failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I yeah. can't argue it so. Yeah. Uh okay, let's uh move forward. Uh so that's the only Champions League game for an Italian squad, right? Um because this the week, yeah. for this yeah. week. Yeah. Cuz next week is going to be uh I guess the second leg of Juve. So what about Europa League? So Atalanta play Bayern Liverpool. I think they play at home in the first leg. Yeah. I'll just double check that. Yeah, yeah. So they play at home. Yeah. Um, I think Atalanta are struggling a bit, but as we saw in, the, in their two-legged tie against Olympiacos, I think that they have enough quality, even though they're struggling right now in Syria, they have enough quality to beat uh, a Bayern Leverkusen team that sure they may be. Chris, again, you watch the German League more than me, but on paper, Atlanta most likely has more talent than, than Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, yeah, it's, it's to be honest, it's probably pretty close, though. Leverkusen do have um, some pretty exciting players. Um, I haven't seen them recently. I think earlier in the year, they were quite inconsistent, which is similar to Atlanta, uh, right, with the way they've gone this year. So, mm. um I would pick Atalanta to win the tie, but I think it's closer than, uh, you know, some people might expect. Okay. Uh, okay, now let's move on then to uh, Paul's favorite and the greatest competition ever. <laughs> yep. Conference League. Conference League. Uh, so, so they play, yeah. Yeah, no, no, on Thursday, all, yeah. all I was going to say. Okay, yeah, they, they play, uh, Rome play Vitesse. Uh, in the start because they won. They didn't play last week uh, because of uh, the fact that they won their group stage. So uh, now they're playing the Vitesse. I think it was a team that help me out. Did they qualify through the, the playoff round or whatever? They, the play, uh... Most likely if they're – because Roma had the bye, right? So yeah, it makes sense yeah. that Vitesse would have had to play someone else to get here. I mean, Do they Roma have like yeah. 50 Chelsea players on loan. Over <laughs> Tess? Yeah, I know back in the day that's kind of Chelsea used to send other players there. So they actually won on aggregate 3 2. They they lost the first leg 2 1 to Rapid Vienna, and then they won 2 nothing in the second leg at home. Um, so it could prove tricky because Roma are away in the first game. Um, but uh, just to look at the group stage, yeah, I believe that they were. Uh, where's Vitesse here? Vitesse finished. That was the group with Tottenham. Yep. Oh, okay. That's right. Because Tottenham couldn't play their games, right? Yeah. So I guess they were given uh, uh, the 3-0 loss to Ren, which effectively made sure that they would be third as opposed to Vitesse's second. Because they would have been tied with Vitesse. But I think there still would have been... I don't know. There were some other thing, confounding things of... Uh, they'd be tied on points, but head-to-head or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think because Tottenham had beat them. Um, 
but then they had beaten Tottenham. I don't know. Anyways, Tottenham suck. They're out. We can't go through. <laughs> That's what happened. Well, I mean, I think Mourinho's already, already say that he has no choice but to play uh, his best 11. And I think yeah. that best 11 is going to probably have some sort of um, – one of the younger players, unfortunately, I think Zaleski got injured against Atlanta, so I think he may be in, uh, at risk of missing the game. Mm. But if he, I think if he was healthy, I think he would start because I think he's now gaining Marino's trust uh, in midfield. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's quit beating around the bush here. Um, we've been alluding to some games uh, on uh, the, I guess, domestic side of, uh, of Calcio, so... What we'll do is we'll take a quick break right now, and then we'll get into uh, all of the action that happened in the latest match day in Serie A. So, again, we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back. That was actually um, that wasn't a song that we were playing. That was Chris's uh, recorded reaction after this weekend. <laughs> he was just acapella. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were just celebrating there, or just dancing around. And we'll get to that at the very end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's uh, as promised. Let's get into uh, what was match day twenty eight. Uh, so we started off, we had actually had Calcio on Friday, um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So what a blessed weekend we had. Uh, Inter actually kicked off the weekend with a, uh, uh, a hosting, hosting duties with, of uh, Salernitana. And uh, again, going into it, we alluded to it before, but going into it, Julian, what was it that they had? It was over like 300 minutes. I think Patrick Kendrick actually mentioned it during the game. I think they went seven hours without a goal. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but as I mentioned last week, I'm pretty sure I did. I felt like as soon as they got that one goal, kind of the floodgates would open, and that's basically what happened. Yeah. Uh, Latero, he was able to <laughs> – he had two other chances before this. One was a header right at the keeper. The other was smashed off the cross. But he finally put away his third chance um, to make it 1-0. And then from that point on, he scored a second and a third. And then Jekyll had two after that as well. Um, so nice kind of get everybody involved. Yeah, there you go. So it was a 5 nothing victory in the end. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, comfortably, Milan get a win this week. Um, when, again, wins are going to be all important, I think, in these last uh, 10 to 11 games. Uh, that are remaining for the teams, but again, they get they they take care of business like we were saying they needed to do last week, right, Julian? Exactly, and Inter, you said Milan. Um, oh, sorry, Inter. But yes, they desperately needed a win, just to kind of try and get things back on track. Um, nice to see Lotaro finally break duck for him. Barella as well. He had two assists on the day, so it was nice to kind of see everything clicking for the first time in a month. Right. 
Uh, okay, well, let's uh, move forward here. We had Udinese hosting Sampdoria, and uh, they actually get a very quick goal. Three minutes in, uh, De La Feo scores to make a one nothing. Then uh, Destiny, again, scores uh, uh, 12 minutes in to make it 2 nothing, And then Caputo actually scores very sh- in short order after that right away uh, to make it 2-1, but that's how it ends. Uh, so Sampdoria lose that game to Udinese 2-1. So we were talking offline here, I guess, that there's uh, uh, potential bottom-of-the-table implications here. So again, Udinese are in 14th position. With this win, they were actually tied with Sampdoria um, earlier, and then after the win, they moved three points clear. So there was a big logjam, 14-15-16. So Udinese have uh, helped their cause significantly, I think, by, uh, by taking that victory. And uh, just quickly, I, I didn't know this, but uh, so you, you mentioned Destiny uh, Udoje. Uh, I think he's been on a two. It might be two games in a row he scored, or it's two and two and three games. Anyways, um, he's Italian, which, oh. I, which I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, so he's on loan from Verona, so he's not owned by by Udinese. But uh, yeah, he's Italian. So uh, nice to see another young Italian defender coming up. Uh, we've all spoken. <laughs> You know, ad nauseum about Chiellini and uh, Bonucci. So, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows, you know, if he can keep up this this pace here and how he does going forward. But it is nice to see a, a young Italian defender. So just thought I'd add that in. Yeah, it's exciting. And uh, 19 years old. That's yep. Yeah, great. Um, you should have saved that for Who Am I? Well, our uh, our guests will be doing that. Well, guest, guest Who Am I host will be doing yeah, that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. Okay, yeah, so let's move on to a very important matchup. Um, probably the biggest one of uh, Saturday anyways, and that was uh, Roma hosting Atalanta. So uh, the, this was the game that I was most looking forward to. Um, so the, this game started off uh, with um, a lot of chances uh, from Roma. Uh, Abraham forced an early save from uh, Musso off uh, a quick header. Saniolo was also very active. Uh, he had a long shot from outside of the box. Uh, but actually, Roma uh, break through around the 30-minute mark uh, where Carzdo played a long ball uh, forward to Zaniolo, who took it down with some class. Uh, he played in Ibrahim, and his shot just had enough power uh, to get it past Musso. So I just want to bring up a stat here. Uh, I remember I was on uh, another podcast where I was asked if Cammy would get more than 12 goals in Serie A this season. He did. I said he would. Uh, he has 13 goals in Serie A this season, and he also has 20 goals in all competition. I think he's the first English player uh, to do th- to do so this season, to get more than 20 goals Good for him. in all competitions. So in the second half, Atalanta tried to get back into the game. Uh, but Frohler was denied by a point-blank save from Uwe Patricio. Uh, this is where the wheels start to fall off in the game, per se. Uh, Darun gets sent off for a second, for actually a double yellow card for protesting. And then uh, Mkhitaryan also gets sent off for a second yellow card. Uh, the game would end one nothing, So it's a second straight win for Roma with Marino still suspended. And then after the game, he joked that he shouldn't return to the bench if Roma <laughs> keep winning. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, so is this the reverse Mourinho effect? Ah. You tell us. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when do we want to start 
saying Atalanta's in a crisis here. I kind of alluded it to in the last segment. They're, you know, they're, they're struggling in Syria. Like, uh, it seems like they're not out. They still haven't solved that problem. They didn't bring anyone in in January. Uh, and, and they have no focal point, and they're relying on Malinovsky's long-range shots to, to or bogus trickery off the wing to to get them goals. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say they brought in Boga, but... Well, Boga was kind of planned already, but... Yeah. Uh, they didn't bring in... They didn't bring in a a, a number nine, per se. Uh, they met, Like I said, they, the Zapata's out for a while, and we don't mm-hmm. know when he's coming back yet. Right, uh, and, and I think they're missing that pace or strength down the middle. Yeah, it just wasn't enough. Yeah. Uh, so, are you saying then that it's the Onirum effect? The what? Mourinho backwards. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> hey. You have to think like Mike Paulo. <laughs> <laughs> like Mike. Great Mike movie. Great movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, but well, anyway, does this so this sends Roma in theory into the Champions League conversation? Percent, yes. Percent. So they're now, uh, I guess, again that puts them level on points with Atlanta. Um, so it puts them at, I guess, the very least in Six. striking distance, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're still six points back though at this point. Well, they have a game in hand, or Atlanta has a couple. Roma doesn't. Yeah, right, right. I see what you're saying. They have so one or two games in hand. I feel like Atlanta have two. They have one. Okay. Uh, yes. So well. actually, Udinese have two. They're only the only team with twenty. Oh no, Atlanta as well. Yeah, yeah. Six twenty six games. Uh, okay. Moving forward here, uh, we had uh, lowly uh, Cagliari hosting Lazio. Uh, so this game was actually all Lazio. It was uh, a PK uh, in the 19th minute for Immobile. Um, I guess tied him for the Capo race. Uh, and then uh, Luis Alberto scores before the half, the 42nd minute to make it 2 nothing. And then our goal of the match day from Felipe Anderson. I actually have that audio, so why don't we play that quickly and then uh, we'll wrap it up. Felipe Anderson. Opens up. This is number three. How easy did he make that look? The Brazilian tiptoeing, dancing his way through the Cagliari defense. Shifting his weight left and right like there was samba music playing in the stands. Is that a little racist? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's cultural. Uh... Yeah, I mean, effectively, he it, it did look like he was dancing, Julian. To be fair, he's with little. I know. I told from... you guys he sent. Uh, it looked like he sent Lovato back to Verona. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Boo. <laughs> um, it was a nice goal, though. Again, he kind of just uh, awaits the entire defense there and uh, slots it home. Uh, but again, the three nothing uh, is the final score for Lazio. Uh, they win it. Um, they actually get a red card for uh, Marusic in the 88th, a double yellow. But uh, again, aside from that, a win for Lazio at least helps them keep pace 
for fighting for, I guess, uh, European, um, a European birth in uh, the five six kind of range. I think that's kind of where we see them. I did see the Marusic red. It was actually pretty funny. He already had a yellow and was already suspended for the next week. Um, and basically, it was a switch across the field, and he jumped up and kind of threw his hand at the ball. <laughs> a little strange. But, yeah, so he got a straight – well, a second yellow for a red for that. But he was already suspended, so I don't think it really changes much. Right. Uh, okay, let's move on to uh, the Sunday games. So – uh, we actually had a couple of nil-nil draws to open up Sunday. Genoa and Police 0-0. Bologna hosting Torino 0-0. Um, and then the next, I guess, game that we had here with a little bit of action was Fiorentina-Verona. So this one, kind of a big game, especially for Fiorentina. They're trying to maintain pace with uh, kind of the, those European spots are the fourth, fifth, sixth range. Um so Piontek actually opens the scoring. It was kind of a busted play. I drawn a blank on who took the shot. Maybe Kone. Anyways, took a deflection. Ball kind of bounced to him. He turned and hit it on a half volley right into the net. Um, and then 10 minutes after that, Milankovic was slightly late into a challenge. Verona get the PK and Caprari makes no mistake. Um, now, I feel like Torreira had three chances in the second half to make it 2-1 to one just to find that game-winning goal. But unfortunately, Fiorentina were unable to find the breakthrough. Um, I thought they were the better team in this game, but unfortunately for them, it ends 1-1. Yeah, and Piante can stop scoring. Um, obviously not enough to win the game, but... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he always gets off to good starts with his clubs, though. I mean, I'm, I'm going back to, um, of course, when he was at Genoa. Uh, then he came to Milan. He had a good start. Um, yeah. And then from Milan, I think it was Hertha Berlin. And I don't I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I just feel like he did get off to a good start with them as well. And then now he's, of course, back at Fiorentina. And uh, I want to say he's got four goals already from Fiorentina, three or four. So it says three on the year, but that probably doesn't include... Uh, like Copa games. Right. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think he has at least two in the Copa. Yeah. Uh, actually, maybe just one. And I, and I know for one of the games, for sure, Cabral started over him, so he hasn't necessarily started all the games. So, anyways, right. um, I guess at this point, for him, it's a matter of kind of maintaining that scoring pace that he starts with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, that's the stalemate there. Uh, moving on, we had Venezia hosting Sassuolo. And again, this game uh, very early on went uh, in Sassuolo's favor. Uh, Raspadori scores uh, two minutes in. Berardi gets a PK in the 17th. Skamaka scores a PK in the 29th. Um, T. Henri, Paulo's favorite, T. Henri, <laughs> uh, scores in 34th uh, for Venezia to make it 3-1. But uh, in the second half, another penalty for Sassuolo in the 71st minute, uh, Berardi scores. Uh, so three penalties give Sassuolo the win over Venezia. Uh, next up, we had a very crucial game for Juventus, who are uh, on uh, a mission here, uh, and they actually come away with a one nothing victory. Morata in the 21st minute scores after Spezia effectively um, give away the ball uh, off of a, a goal kick. 
uh, it's kind of intercepted and uh, Juve go back with, you know, almost equal numbers, but kind of slice through the defense and Morat is the beneficiary of a, a nice pass. Um, he had a couple other chances, a sitter that he misses from a cross from Quadrado. Um, so he, he doesn't get uh, full marks for this performance, unfortunately, but uh, again, they come out with a, Corto Musso performance and a one nothing victory. Paulo? Yeah, I mean, I mean, can't complain. The, the three points, uh, he pace with uh, the top of the table, uh, gained points on uh, Atalanta as well. Uh, you know, I guess this could have been a type of game where uh, Pierlo could have lost, could have, could have dropped points in this game as well. I remember at the beginning of the season where uh, I talked about how Allegri, even though he plays a quote-unquote negative style of, of play, uh, he said it himself uh, either that he doesn't care about playing positive uh, calcio, he only cares about winning, which is one of the club slogan, etc. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just laughing now in the sense that I don't expect to play anymore. I'm just expecting wins. And, uh, you know, you could laugh about how other uh, sets of fans are complaining that um, in Italian they call it they are La Juve, I mean, they have uh, luck. They're, 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 they're lucky in the sense that they always come out with these one nothing wins. And uh, I think I saw a stat that Juventus hasn't won uh, by more than two goals. Uh, so three goals, at least three goals uh, in 28 games for the first time in like 45 years. Yeah, so by, by six, three yeah. goals, not while scoring yeah. three goals, by scoring more than um, three goals more than the other team. Yeah, a, 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 a clear distance of three goals. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, listen, uh, still alive. Uh, it's it's, it's right. honestly remarkable. It's remarkable because, again, just considering how poor they started, um, that they're just kind of floating in this fourth position within striking distance should the other teams above them um, fumble. Um, yeah. But, uh, but it, it's, yeah, seven points. It maintains at seven points, so it's still – Again, there there's the possibility. So as long as there's possibility, we'll have Paul talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then I mentioned the fact that um, they're winning. Uh, they're I think the, they have the longest active unbeaten streak in Europe with, with 14 games. Right now, is that in, in league play? I think, think it's league play. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say because they lost to Chelsea yeah. and uh, Inter. In the yeah, in the super super, super cool game. Game. I, I think it's longest active uh, league play. Right, got it. So, I mean, uh, like I said, I mentioned at the beginning of the year, brought in to win games that where Pirlo Pirlo's play and, and style of play would have lost them points. Yeah, it's true. Well, it literally did last year because there was there was games where they were up one nothing and they were not able to maintain that position so let's uh yeah if we get into i guess do we want okay i'll 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 let chris talk about the next game and then we'll get we'll get into it yeah maybe we'll devote a whole um 
a whole pod at the end of the season when you may steal the Scudetto. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, finally, the the uh, probably the most important game, even though Paulo's favorite was Roma-Atlanta, the most important game, of course, was Napoli hosting Milan. So unlike some club in the Torino region, these two clubs, Milan and before, Napoli, before he says it, it was prefer a that, to that, play that, that, the game properly. <laughs> they prefer to like... entertain <laughs> their supporters, and uh, they don't have the biggest wages in the league, and they can still do it. So, all that being said, uh, as Mike introduced the game, uh, biggest match of, of, of the match day, um, and of course, as Julian alluded to earlier, uh, with Inter thrashing Salernitana. Uh, uh, that made this game, you know, even more important. Uh, I think, you know, had Inter drawn or lost, Milan and Napoli might have, you know, not settled for a draw, but they could have been okay with it. Uh, with Inter winning their match, it made this one all the more important. And um, so, yeah, I mean, the first the first half, uh, you know, obviously entertaining, I think, uh, in my opinion anyways. Uh, there were, of course, though, some controversial moments, Um there was the Benacer, uh call, potential call, where uh, Koulibaly, I think it was, uh, went for a tackle on him. Um, I will be honest, I didn't think that was a penalty, but I will add that I've seen and we've seen, you know, PK's given for less this year. I don't think that anybody can argue that. Uh, then there, were, of course, was the Tomori tackle on Aussieman. Which is all I'll say is this. Had it been called a penalty, I I wouldn't have complained because it wasn't called or that it wasn't called a penalty. I don't know if it was conclusive enough to, to switch it back around. Call it what you will. Um, I don't feel bad, though, for Napoli, only because Milan have been screwed over so many times this year with, with shit calls. So, um, But again, I will concede that if it was called, uh, at the time, I you wouldn't really have heard too much from me. I think that was, you know, one of. I think there was one other mistake Tomori made throughout the game, but that was the one big mistake he made was was lunging in there. Uh, I do want to give another shout out though to Kalulu, Osman. Um, mm. I th- I thought had a good game. You know, a lot of Napoli's attack went through him, but you know, given the level Kalulu was at, I thought he held his own against Osman um, and kind of didn't really uh, give him all that much in terms of, you know, a plus, uh, scoring chances. Um, the, the, the first goal though came though from, uh, it was initially a Tonali free kick from the right-hand side popped out to Calabria, uh, and eventually Giroud, excuse me, uh, redirects it in. Uh, so again, that made it one nil. Um, I actually thought it was offside initially, but, um, the goal stood, uh, second half consisted of, you know, more chances from Osman. uh, Insigne didn't do much to impress, uh, at least for me anyways, um, a couple of chances for Milan at the end to counterattack. Salamakers uh, absolutely botched one or two of them. And so, yeah, finishes 1-0 Milan. Uh, again, that keeps them, you know, ahead of Inter for the time being. Of course, there's still that game in hand. Uh, but, you know, that being said, it is still tight with Milan, Inter, and Napoli. And then that Corto Muso club from Torino region can keep, uh, <laughs> you know, flirting with fourth and fifth place there. <laughs> Uh, Paulo, what did you say that they call Juventus because they're like lucky or whatever? Coolo, uh, I coolo. Yeah. So I mean, what's the difference here with Milan? 
because there is no difference. There is zero difference. <laughs> there, there, that, that should have been a penalty, and Chris even admitted it. He said that you know, just based on the you know the the run of games where Milan had bad luck, blah blah. It's fine. It's it's a cosmic uh, justice. Let me tell you, that was some bullshit. No, but we've seen it before in the in early on in the season, a few games where, uh, where if it happens to Milan, there is like an implosion. Yeah. Uh, uh, huh? In, <laughs> if it happens to Milan, oh my god, their fan, their fan base, their fan base loses their shit. Nedved's prepared. Nedved's prepared to blow up the asking for referees to apologize. Yeah, yeah. and dumb shit like that. But and what it, when it, when it and happens? Paulinho, to the, what did yeah, yeah. what did Spalletti say after the game? Uh, what? Uh, no, you gotta help me out with that. But I'm not sure. He said. He said. Of course. Listen, we think that you know because they asked him specifically about it, saying yeah. you think that was a penalty. He said, Yeah, I mean it's a penalty, but we're not gonna complain. We're not like Milan, who you know need to complain all the time when there's, yeah. uh, you know, errors. We're just going to accept it and move on. Okay, well. So, is, so when Juve wait, gets hold, a call hold, hold, hold. that doesn't go their way, Nedved stays quiet, and then the other, they just sit on their hands. They don't say anything? Are we talking about Juventus right now? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm comparing, I'm comparing it so that you can see how stupid it sounds. Paulo. No, but, yeah. Rent yeah, well, of course, of course. But I'm just saying, Nedved is Nedved. He always had the history of losing his shit. When it when it comes to referees, he was suspended from a final because of it. Uh, they, 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 there's a running joke. I think it's Shikera. I don't forget what it is. when I guess he loses his shit or something like that. Anyway, uh, it's a it's, a, it's an Italian joke. But um, going back to Milan and and the difference between Spalletti talking about not complaining about uh, refereeing decision, where you literally have uh, Pioli doing a flip flop about talking about refereeing decision where early on in the season he said uh, I guess uh, for domestic consumption is oh we're not going to talk about uh, refereeing decisions but in Europe the complete different different co- topic of conversation where he criticized uh, the refereeing at least at least with Napoli I'll give them some sort of credit at least their messaging is concise uh, maybe from their manager not from their owner which is another whole <laughs> different can of worms but uh, I thought on, on for the whole balance of the game, Milan created better opportunities, and they got, uh, as Michael alluded to again, they had their cool and 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 they won the game like that. But don't tell me that um, Milan uh, was overall the best team because they easily, easily could have had a, a decision go against them. And most likely, their fan base would have imploded on on the so called uh, MT, as I like to refer uh, to, and 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 it would have been a whole different outlook or post match to this game, which just drives me nuts. Because if you want to talk about refereeing decision, at least be consistent and say that okay, well, we got lucky. And let's 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 enjoy the fact that we got lucky, and don't start bitching about how oh well you know in the last game uh, Napoli did this to us. Uh, let's move on. Uh, we're 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 at the top of the league. Uh, the surpasso la prossima volta, as they like to say. Uh, 
Just, just move on. No, but they have to bring up the fact that they get defensive and, as Michael said, rent free. That's what bothers me about that fan base. I would rather to... I would rather win this game with a bit of luck and maybe you were slightly outplayed, like fifty-two to forty-eight, than to rat out one-nil wins for months on end, knowing you're just you're going to show up with the biggest wages in Serie A and you're not going to try and and outplay your opponent. Listen, what what's the the uh, thing you mentioned to me uh, uh, offline? What's the most important thing? Uh, in a game, it's winning 100. percent But like, yeah. yeah but go. what I just said was that I would rather my team try and play the game and actually try and go on the front foot and maybe just have to get a little bit lucky than to know you have the most talent, right? Again, the most wages. You're paying your coach way too much money, and but you're going to go to every game and not try and go and play. I know if, if Milan was top of the table playing the way Juve is playing right now, we would have a 30-minute segment from you every week to, to complain about how ugly Milan's football is. The, the, last, time, the last time that Milan won a Scudetto was with that manager at the helm. Ooh. If you want to talk about that, they, they literally played the same, the same way. They had Nigel the Young, uh, Young play yeah. in midfield. Don't, don't, with go, back. Ambrose, don't go back side. 11 years. So that, talk about right now. Right now, that's the same comparison. No, I'm Julian. Julian, hold guys, hold on. Julian, <laughs> whose side are you on here? Listen, well, I mean, obviously, I'm gonna take Chris's side. I can never take Juventus <laughs> side. No, it's Juve's playing garbage football in their last two games. I will say they have gotten very lucky, um, including the Copa game. An own goal in the 92nd minute. Even Morata's goal last game against Betia literally started from Provadel just hitting a goal kick and Juve countered, which, I mean, good for them. They took their opportunity and scored. Also, Morata missed the worst sitter since Galliardini, I think. But, I mean, they're getting their points, right? So you can't fully fault them. But, yeah, I got to side with Milan here. If it was Inter playing the same way, it would be the same as if Milan were playing the same way. Paulo, I, I don't know what to tell you. These guys are just <laughs> they're you know what this is, Paulo? I, I, yeah. I know exactly what it is. You know what they what's happening here? They're scared. <laughs> well yeah, well, the, of course they're scared. The the, the fact that they're they were what, uh almost bottom of the league and now they're only seven points with uh, a third of the season remaining. Uh yeah. I would be scared too. You have the biggest wages in the league. You should be near the top. Again, of course, that's what we're trying to say. But what Michael brought up was the fact that they had such a horrendous start that conditioned the rest of the season and wasn't, in theory, about uh, the style of play at the time. It was because of some guy who is now actually frozen out of <laughs> frozen out of his current team because of his attitude which was the same problem at the beginning of the season. I alluded to then but, but and Paulo, I still they, maintain they, that. But Paulo they they don't want to recognize that. They want to just, you know, bask in bask in this uh uh what what were they calling this Scudetto de Balancho? Oh, Scudetto del Bilancho, yeah. They want to so, bask yeah, in that. Yeah. 
that's all that's all they have to, to grasp on because like I, like I said it, it's not guaranteed that Milan doesn't drop any more points or inter inter literally have to play Juventus in April uh it's it, it's still open and, and and now Juventus are four points back of Napoli as well mamma mia I will say you also jinxed Milan for anybody who's wondering because before the game, <laughs> Paulo chose to comment. I, I think he was trying to game. he was trying to get a reaction out of me, but I didn't respond because I'm mature. <laughs> but he he put in our thread right. He said five points. That's all he said. After of course Juve had won, he just said five points, and then right. after Milan won, what did I get to say, Paulo? Or did you, you or did you Both even read it? it? I just remind you that it was seven points. That's all. You you and Julian. Yes, we did. Yeah. So I'm just waiting for that uh, Bologna game, which apparently might not be played until <laughs> July. May now, from what <laughs> news rumor was. But hey, we'll see what happens. Like I said, it's that, and and we all knew that it would be difficult. I still have some sort of faith in the sense that uh, I'm positive that the top three teams will drop points eventually. And 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 if Juventus keep winning by the massive ass that they have, then I'm not going to complain. I, I just I I find it hilarious, and I, again I don't mind watching it because uh, I laugh at the fact that he, Rabiot still plays 90 minutes. Oh, uh, that you know they get goals by by bounces. They they counterattack against teams like Spezia. Uh, Sure, if that, if that wins you games, as Allegri says, then what's there to complain about? The fact the that it, it justifies just, exactly, yeah, the end justifies the means exactly. Uh, you know, if they're if they're doing that against Real in Europe, then that's a problem because you can't win games in Europe like that. Europe is statistically proven that you actually have to go for it uh, and and not sit back and counter like they do against uh, against Serie teams. Uh, unless, unless you're Chelsea, right? They famously won by parking the bus. I'm pretty sure Inter did as well. Yeah. Yeah, but again, that's that's exception to the rule. <laughs> when you think yeah. about it, the last, so so Chelsea did that when they had what Roberto Di Matteo as as their manager. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Inter did it because they had Mourinho, but they had what like the best defense in Europe. Zanetti, Lucio, uh, Walter Samuel, and Mykon. Mykon, yeah. And Kivo. Exactly, yeah. But the rest, over the decade, not 12 years, majority of the teams that won it that are filled with offensive talent, Bayern Munich. That's uh, Real Madrid. Real Madrid, Barca, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that that winning defensively in Champions League, I think, is, is... is an exception. Yeah. In any case, again, all I wanted to say, <laughs> all I wanted to say is that Milan will have you believe that they earned this victory when in fact it was gifted to them. And with that, let's move on. Uh, but okay, so let's move on. I just want to bring up some some points uh, from the lower uh, lower half. Uh, Genoa are still undefeated with their new manager, 
cheese. Uh, and I know you guys mentioned it uh, last week while I was away. Uh, I think Chris mentioned that Genoa would have a, 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 a chance uh, to to survive. And with, with Venezia losing, with Sam dropping points, it's uh, still possible for them to believe in, in, uh, in survival. And if, uh, if they keep picking off points, uh, I think they can, they can believe in miracles. Yeah, so I mean, with their draw, they move obviously one point up. So, so they're still two, seven points back of safety. Um, and that, that would just tie them with 17th place Cagliari. Uh, like and and Venezia are in poor run of form, so yeah, uh, it, it's uh, honestly it's, it's it's like the top of the like top table in in Juventus. There's still a chance, and you gotta hope, and you gotta cling on to that 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 hope that remains, so you don't lose momentum. And I think that's what's going on on both ends of the table. Right, okay, uh, that's a perfect segue to to wrap it all up. Okay, well, yeah, let's, uh, again, we, we just want to briefly chat about Copa just to kind of wrap up everything. Um, so, obviously, we had the first leg happen last week, and Julian already alluded to uh, Juve's uh, potential or the cool. potential happen the Juve-Fiorentina game. But uh, just to kind of um, go over those quickly, what happened, I guess there was an important matchup on the Tuesday, Julian. Yeah, so we had their... Uh... Mini Milan Derby, which I was really looking forward to because I wanted revenge for the league one. Um, so Milan were the home team in this leg, and in the Copa Italia, the away goal rule is still in effect. Um, the game finished nil-nil, which a lot of people are saying is a bonus for Milan because obviously if the next game finishes 1-1 or 2-2, then Milan would advance on away goals. Right. But zero zero. Zero zero final, sorry, yes. Um so yeah, we'll see. Now we have to wait again till April or May, I think, for the second leg. Oh yeah, good question, eh? I'll uh I'll look it was at seven it. weeks. Yeah, I think I'll, it's towards the I'll end of April. Here. I think the twenty twentieth, maybe? Nineteenth, twentieth, somewhere around that range. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen uh, and the twentieth. Exactly that. Uh okay, yeah. well Paul, what happened with uh, the other side there? Uh, well, it was Fiorentina pretty much dominated the whole game. All game. Uh, all game. And uh, Juventus, Quadrado put in a cross at the 90th minute. It hit off Venuti and went into the net. And it was, a, a, um, as Chris would allude to, uh, a lucky goal. Um, I, when I was watching that game, I didn't, I was la- I was laughing in the sense that uh, – <laughs> They got away with one, and I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, I thought uh, Fiorentina were unlucky, but like you had a game plan, allowed the team the better team. Uh, I'll, I'll use the better team, the more offensively gifted team. Their midfield is actually not that bad uh, compared to Rabio and, and, and Co. Uh, with McKenney and, and uh, Zakaria out, um, they they had a game events had a game plan and and hit them on the on the counter attack, which 
which gave them that 90-minute goal to, to take one nothing lead uh, going back to turn. Listen, the moral of the story of that game is that Fiorentina can no longer play Venuti in any meaningful minutes. I think that's the second on goal of the season. Yeah. yeah. In the, the final, half. in the 90th minute. Yeah. Yeah, he that happened. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, I can't blame him. Uh, pretty much lost the game because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he come on as well in the second half? He didn't even start. Yeah, I think he came on because Odriozola, I don't know how to do Spanish pronunciations, but. Yeah. He went off hurt. Right. Uh, Anyways, what a suffering victory. It uh, sets them up for success in April. Yeah, but personally, I'd rather play Inter. uh, Because uh, that that Super Copa loss still stings. Right. For, so as for it should. Inter will beat Milan, and you're saying as it should. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Because Milan. Just, <laughs> in, in his head, Milan is going to beat Inter for the Scudetto, so you know he's willing to let Inter beat Juve for a second-tier trophy. She <laughs> got him. Got him. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's move on to America's favorite segment. Of course, that is. Who am I? I don't know. And we're gonna wrap up the show with that. So, uh, Paulo, you actually have a special edition. I'm the special guest host for this. Yeah. Week. Okay. So let's start here. This player, right? Um. Appearances for Genoa, Juventus, and Zenit. Marquisio. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) He's also made 26 appearances for the Italian national team. Uh, Marquisio? (laughs) And he's also won trophies with Zenit. Okay, say say them all again. Yeah, sorry again. And it's a a current player. Marquisio retired. Okay, okay. (laughs) So this player... Appearances for Genoa, Juventus, and Zenit. Okay, Marquise oh, did not play for, for Genoa. Okay, there we go. Uh, he also has made 26 appearances for the Italian national team, and he's won trophies with Zenit. Genoa. Oh. Do you have a timer, Paulo? Uh, no, I do not. Michael, that one. Genoa, Juve, Zenit. I know 20, who it is. 26 appearances for Italy? He's transferring to TFC in the summer. <laughs> Crescito. Oh, yeah. He has 26 appearances for Italy? Yeah. Although, I mean, it makes sense, though. Genoa, Juve, Zenit. And then... Yeah, he was the only other Italian player I could think of who played for Zenit. And, I mean, he I'm sure he won the, the Russian Super League, whatever it's called there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I... It's Crescito. I can't think of anybody else. Mimo. Yeah. yeah. Mimo. Julian got it. Although, apparently... Yeah, good job, Julian. Apparently, though, speaking <laughs> of him... Um, it may not go through, or it's just not going through right now. No, it's not. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I think you realize after the fifth straight draw, 
that uh, they have a chance to survive. So I think he wants to stay and, and finish the season. Was he not originally? So he, so, I guess the yeah. idea was that it was like uh, a moot point. So he was just going to leave. <laughs> yeah, he was supposed to join TFC in March. Oh, he wasn't going to go in January with, or in July, sorry, with Insignia? No, no, he was going to go with like. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. because didn't the MLS season start? Uh, yes, mm-hmm. last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or two weekends ago, but recently. Uh, okay, so that makes sense. Um, all right, well, Paulo, I, I'll say you made up for your uh, Joe Jordan one from a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hopefully we get a listener uh, that can get that right. I think we will. I think so. We got some smart listeners. We got some Genoa fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do. Uh, is there anything else, uh, Michael? Do you have anything else to add? Um, no, I think that's it's uh, a good job by uh, uh, by by Team Us to guess that. So great. Um, <laughs> we have, uh, I guess, just looking forward. Um, we've got some, of course, European that we already uh, talked about, uh, European matches that are important this week uh, for match day 29. Just want to add there um, that we have big games are uh, on Sunday um, is Torino Inter. So that's going to be a big game. Uh, and then... I guess that's really the the biggest game that's happening this weekend because the rest are kind of you know. <laughs> that's not even. I mean, it's a decent game, but it's not even like a. That's like a massive game. <laughs> like Inter should Pinter... be feeling the pressure. I feel like. Nah, if they can score, they're fine. We'll see how the game on Tuesday goes against Liverpool. <laughs> and if they're dejected, that they'll they'll lose, or if they win, they'll be. Yeah. Listen, as I said in the thread earlier, I'm not worried about defensively. It's if they can keep scoring. So I'm not worried about Torino scoring on Inter. It's Inter managing to find one goal against Torino. All right. I don't know. I mean, I want to talk about big games. Milan play Empoli. Uh, and Empoli teams, yeah, they they were struggling a form of late, but they did uh, you know, pick up a, a, an important point. And uh, Milan has historically struggled against teams like Spezia and Empoli as well. And Salernitana. And Salernitana. <laughs> and, and you can add Benevent to that as well. Now, that being said, so the previous, uh, I guess, Empoli-Milan match, um, if we recall, was a 4-2 uh, victory for Milan. Uh, where Kessie scored a brace. Um, so, I mean, a late Pinamonte made it 4 2, but. Paulo would, Paulo would have say... you believe Empoli dominated and Milan got lucky. <laughs> hey, Pinamonte did say he was hoping to reach double digits soon, and he is at nine goals. Huh? Uh-huh. Huh? <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> just unbelievable! Kessie scoring two goals. You think that's ever going to happen again? Milan get two Somebody people, else can guess. score two goals. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's going to come on here next Monday. Empoli dominated. 
Malak got lucky. Listen, there, there's been instances instances over the past few games that they've met where Empley has uh, picked up points against uh, Milan. So that's all I'm just gonna say. It's not a it's not a foregone conclusion that Milan is gonna win this game. I could say that for almost any game, unless somebody's playing Salernitana. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Paulo's words. Paulo, I, I need you to clip this because next week when Empoli squeak out a 2-1 victory, we're going to be beating the drum, Paul. Uh, 100%. Okay, good. Uh, I think one last game as well. Uh, the uh, rematch of the disaster class from last season. Uh, Hellas Verona at Napoli. Yeah. That... What you're saying because that's how they they that's lost. how they lost yeah that's how they lost yeah but got knocked out of uh, the fourth spot there right um okay well that's really again it, it's a it's almost like a transition week but it's important points nonetheless so they all these teams will need to try their hardest um but uh, yeah aside from that that's kind of what I have to look forward to this week uh, you guys have anything else to add before we close up the show. Uh, Paulo, let's see. Let's see if uh, Mourinho's return to the bench uh, is what's the problem uh, for Roma. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out. Oniru, <laughs> still doesn't make any sense. But so Oniru, it's the reverse Mourinho effect. Oniru, Oniru, the Oniru effect. Sure. <laughs> Chris, uh, I mean. I think kind of on par with, with what we've been talking about in previous weeks. I'm just hoping that, you know, the, the top, you know, six, seven uh, stay close to each other and makes it interesting for, you know, all those clubs and the neutrals. And then, you know, towards the bottom of the table, um, I know those clubs don't want to be down there, but it, it does make it interesting again, like I said, for all those clubs and for the neutrals. So um, yeah, may the odds ever be in, in your favor. I just made that up now. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually very well written. Thank you. Yeah. Um, now I actually have written down on a piece of paper uh, what Julian's going to say, and he said he, he said he's going to say, "Let's go with a Forza Inter." <laughs> you were close. I was thinking it. <laughs> I figured we'd change it up. Let's hope Lautaro gets his first Champions League goal of the season. Ah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, ah, interesting. Who? Uh, no, there was something about who has more goals than Lataro. Uh, I think it was Chalon. No, no, it wasn't. That it was, was uh, Men. Right. Chalonoglu only has one less goal than Men on the season. As funny as it sounds, Lataro, he's obviously been in horrible run of form, but I actually think he's fourth in scoring behind Immobile, Vlaovic, and Simeone. Scores yeah. Does he just score in bunches, or what is it with him? Basically. Yeah. Yeah, he's got 14 goals after scoring a hat-trick. So he was on 11 before that. Right. That was good for, I guess, just above Skamaka. Yeah. For, like, eighth. Yeah. He'll look good next year playing with Dybala. <laughs> for Barca? Uh, on the Argentina squad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, with that... 
let's close out the show here, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, uh, you gentlemen, obviously, for uh, being uh, the most important part of the podcast. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, some hopefully great news um, on a, uh, a negative interfront all week. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, you know what? I'm going to, from here on out, I'm going to purely be a neutral party on this podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that's it. So uh, we'll see everybody next week. And uh, we will, um, yeah, hopefully we enjoy uh, lots and lots of culture this week. Do we have, uh, I guess, next week starts on Saturday. Paulo, is there any Friday games? No way. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, so it's no. Mostly all week, Tuesday, some off uh, uh, City A games or whatever, off uh, Italian teams on Wednesday. And then, is there, wait, is there Champions League on Wednesday? There is uh, Champions League, but no, there is, uh, it's not, yeah, not, not Italian teams. teams. And then Thursday, and then a, I guess another skip day on Friday. But again, there you go. Lots of culture this week. The point remains. And also, the episode will not remain because it's over. <laughs> Thank you for listening. See you all next week. Okay, ciao, bye.